Hi. Hey, Steph. How's it going? Too bad. Sorry about that. So, <laughs> no problem. You have, no problem. Um, you have death on the mind. Yeah, I, uh, I, I guess it, it just, um, well, I, I, concerning our discussion earlier, um, you know, I, I had sort of brought these points up, like some points about atheism and uh, with my girlfriend, and I was kind of getting to a point where it was frustrating. You know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't really get my points across the way I wanted to and and then just last night um, she had uh, her stepfather pass away unexpectedly and um, I, I just thought maybe maybe it would be a good idea to sort of show that atheists can be compassionate and caring and understanding and, and provide value when it comes to death and I was just when it comes to dealing with death not when it comes to death um, and I, I was just having some troubles deciding sort of an approach that might be appropriate. And um, I was just <laughs> really looking out for what other people had found helpful and uh, useful in dealing with this sort of subject. Right, right. If that makes any sense. No, it, it totally makes sense. And I would say, in fact, that only atheists can provide a real processing of death because when we layer things over with fantasy we can't process them emotionally right it's like yeah. a drug to get rid of emotional pain it, it, it just it erases or eradicates it and there are two fundamental fantasies I, fi I found around death that causes people to become emotionally stunted with regards to processing death the first yeah. is don't speak ill of the dead that to me is the first that uh, first illusion that people really get hung up on around death and the second is that when we perceive or believe or fantasize that there's a better place that people are going to we don't learn the necessary lessons that death is supposed to teach us in my view this is just my there's no proofs for any of this it's just my particular opinion so yeah. let me spend a, f a minute or two on those and then you can tell me if that if that's helpful Sure. So, when somebody dies, suddenly in particular, right, then that's the time that we can actually have a, a processing of their life, right, because their life is finished and there's nothing more that you can say to the person, and so we can actually process that. And death, fundamentally the processing of death is not about the past but it's about the future. In my, again, this is all just my opinion. It's not about the past, it's about the future. So, a friend of mine's mother died relatively recently, I guess, and he had a great deal of trouble processing some of the less positive aspects of her life. And there were some positive aspects, and there were, like all of us, there were some not so positive aspects. But a, a real wall came down wherein we could not say, well, here was the good and here was the bad, and what can we learn and process from this life? Not for the past, because the past is dead and gone, obviously, and can't be changed in ourselves and certainly not in the dead person. And he could have gotten some enormously great lessons out of the mistakes that his mother made and the mistakes that he made in his relationship with his mother, and he could have used that to turn the future around with his own relationships with other people and getting things done in his life that needed to get done. 
But he didn't want to do that because you couldn't speak ill of the dead. Now, he didn't particularly believe that she was going to a better place. But when you layer that belief or opinion on top of the don't speak ill of the dead, then you have this fantasy that they've gone to a better place or that they're, they're watching or, you know, whatever. I mean, it goes on various levels of this to like a full brain haunting to just a vague better place kind of thing. But when we allow that kind of stuff to infect our, our history and our processing of a death, then we don't learn the lessons. I mean, what, what, is, what can we learn from death, right? How does death enrich our life? Well, death enriches our life by reminding us that all of this will pass. The good, the bad, the, the, the joyous, the dismal, the intimate, the alienated, everything that we have is going to pass. It, it reminds us that there is a really grim and savage biological bookend at the end of our journey. And when we get or understand that life is short, there are no do-overs and we don't go to a better place, then I believe that at least what it spurs me to do is to invest more fully in the moment, invest more fully in the present, and to be less patient with bullshit, to put it in a (laughs) blunt way, to be less patient with people who waste my time, to be less patient with people who are living as if they have an eternity in which to correct their mistakes, and we don't. We don't have an eternity. We, we have, I mean, life is both long and short, right? Life is long enough that you want to plan for it and make sensible use of your gifts and talents and get an education, and, I mean, in my view. But it's, it's short enough that we can't invest in relationships that are going nowhere or going down. Uh, we can, but that's based on the fantasy that we've got forever. So if we really get that death is it, like you're done, you're a radio that's been unplugged, there are no voices left, there are no voices that have floated in anywhere else, they throw you into a wet hole in the ground and they throw mud in your, in your eye and you don't even notice because it's, it, it, it's inconceivable to us. You can say sleep without dreaming or whatever, but it is simply an end. Uh, I will have no more consciousness of myself after I am dead than I had of myself before I was born. I will remember the 24th century or I will experience the 24th century as clearly as I experienced the 18th century, which was, of course, not at all. So I think that if we process death and we understand that death is it, then we invest in that which brings quality and rational virtue and happiness to our life. We have less patience with fools, and so we can eject them from our life and really focus on those relationships and those activities that are deep and rich and meaningful for us because there isn't any kind of do-overs, any kind of second chance, any kind of capacity to address or redress mistakes in the future. We don't get to live again. We don't, you know, we don't go on the reincarnation carousel. We just die. We just become meat and dead, unconscious, not conscious, not alive meat. And if we understand that that is coming, right, that, that that death is taking its step towards us every single day, it's one less day to live, then we can really invest and be rich in our relationships in the present, and we can uh, not put things off that we need to do, like can confront negative relationships and either improve them or get rid of them. We just, I mean, if we, if we forget that we're going to die, then our days become, like, much less rich, much less uh, uh, interesting much less, um, and then we end up with the worst thing in the world for me, right? The worst thing in the world is regret, right? And, and the worst regrets are, I mean, people always say the worst regrets are the things that you wanted to do but didn't do. I don't think that's the case. I think the worst regrets are the things that you didn't want to do that you did do, you know, like spend time with people who are boring or negative or destructive or whatever, right? So, 
I think that if your girlfriend processes her relationship with her stepfather and how he lived his life based on his beliefs, right, then she can have a much richer and, and deeper and, and better time of her life in the future. And, and that is, if there's a gift that reaches from the grave to us, it is that lifeline, that life is short and then we're dead. And so don't waste your time with negative or destructive or difficult or those kinds of situations. Don't, don't be a coward in the face of what you truly desire. And that is the gift, I think, that the dead give us, that, that death gives us that gift of really loving uh, our life and not wasting it. But if we believe, if we numb ourselves to that stark reality of the biological bookend at the end of our life, if we numb ourselves to that, either by, you know, don't speak ill of the dead, and don't, by that I don't mean sort of cut them down for no reason, but assess their lives rationally, assess your relationship with them so that you can improve your future relationships. If we don't speak ill of the dead or don't assess them from a rational standpoint, and if we fantasize that somehow things continue, then all that happens is we put things off, right? It's like, it's like getting an infinite extension on an essay paper, right? You're never going to write it without a deadline, and there really is in life a fundamental deadline which helps us get things done uh, that otherwise we would put off that are necessary and beneficial. Does that uh, ring or make, make sort of any sense to you? No, yeah, that, that really does. Um, you know, when, when you said that, you know, don't speak ill of the dead, you know, she, she did kind of mention that, um, like, I, I haven't met um, her mother or, uh, or the stepfather, and, and now I guess I've, I've missed that opportunity, so I, I really don't, don't know for sure. But, but she does sort of speak like she's sort of walking on glass about, you know, they used to, like, they, apparently they bickered a little bit, and, um, but she'd always follow that up, like, well, since, since last night, you know, she'd always follow that up, but they, but they really did love each other, you know, she'd say, wow, they bickered, but, but, you know, so it was, it was kind of like what you're saying, you know, she was really scared to, to say, yeah, they bickered, and I think that's wrong, or, or, yeah, they bickered, and, you know, really analyze it for, for what it was, you know, it, it feels like she was always, like, wrapping it in two positives whenever she spoke about a negative that did occur. Right, right, so, right. So, so it does, you know, it does feel like that. And, and I've experienced that in the past, you know, when, when somebody dies, you know, I, I never, you, you never want to, you know, speak, speak negatively about them, I, I have found. And uh, so that, that really did, um, you know, I, I think you raise a really good point. You know, you, you can still look objectively on their life and, and pull a lot of lessons out of what you saw and what, um, how they lived it. And, um, right. And sorry to interrupt, but this, it's very interesting to me, and this is a very, very common thing, that people say, well, we had our differences, but we loved each other nonetheless. Yeah. Well, but to me, that is, the Greek uh, technical term is crap. I mean, <laughs> that, that fundamentally is not learning the lessons of death, in my opinion, right? It's not learning yeah. the lessons of death. So if, if, if you and I have a relationship, let's say, and we're friends or whatever, yeah. then if we're conscious, like as people always say when somebody dies, well, we bickered a lot, and now I can't even remember about what, right? Yeah. Like there's always this feeling of like, well, we bickered, but, but really we loved each other. Right? Or, or, you know, yes, we had our differences, but, but deep down, you know, we, there's nothing we wouldn't do for each other and, and all that. And that to me is just crap. It's total nonsense. Because if we're really conscious, 
of death, of the end of things, then we have a choice, right? We then would not say, I love you and I'm going to bicker with you, right? Because if, if at the end of somebody's life, if after they're dead and gone, you say, well, we bickered, but, but deep down we really loved each other, it's like, well, what the hell were you bickering for then? Yeah, then why were you bickering? Then why you were know, you like- bickering? Right? And you could only have been bickering if you thought you could put off the love thing forever. Because you had forever and you're going to meet in heaven or whatever. I don't know what nonsense people say to themselves about that. But it allows them to live in this limbo, this null zone between real love and ditching people who you don't like. Right? Because I don't keep people in my life that I bicker with. I mean, what a complete waste of this incredible gift of breath and thought and life. Right? So, so it, to me, it's either get it good or get it gone. You know, if yeah, I'm like, bickering with someone, then what the hell is the point afterwards saying, after they're dead, saying, gee, I don't even know why we bickered. Like, it's wh- almost an insult you know? in their life, right? If you, if you don't know why you're bickering with someone, stop bickering with them, right? <laughs> I mean, that to me, if you, say, if you say after they're dead, well, I really love them and I don't even know what we were bickering about, then what you did was you tortured them with bickering when they were alive, and now you forgive them when it's too late to do anything about it, and they don't benefit from it at all, and neither do you. Like, to me, to me that just makes no sense at all. Does that... Yeah, you know, like, it, it's, sort of, it's sort of like, you know, either deal with it or, or move on and, and ditch the relationship, you know. If, if, you, if yeah, you know, I, 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 do, I do hear what you're sort of putting down there, and it... It does make a lot of sense. Like, if your girlfriend were to ever bicker with you, right? Then you could say to her, look, when I'm dead, are you going to say that you don't even remember why you're fighting with me now? Yeah. And if that's the case, then just stop fighting with me now. Right? If it means that little that after somebody's dead, you say, well, I don't even know why we were fighting. Then, then use that. See, that's what I mean. Use death to enrich your life, right? So if you're going to say, look, if I drop dead tomorrow, would you even remember what we were fighting about today? Or would you say, well, you know, yes, we had these arguments. I can't even remember about what. They didn't mean anything. They didn't make any sense because I really loved him. Well, live like that now then. Don't wait until after somebody's dead. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like holding off a Heimlich maneuver until three days after somebody's choked to death and then grappling them in the coffin. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, and if your girlfriend were to understand that, and it's not picking on your girlfriend. Right? This is anybody, right? But... If your yeah. girlfriend would understand that, right, to use that perspective from her stepfather and say, if you really love somebody and you can't even remember what you bickered about, then the bickering is a stupid and futile waste of your energies, so stop doing it. Right? That would be a lesson that you could get. That's how death redeems life. That's the gift that the corpses give to us who are still breathing, right? Which is perspective and, and the antidote. To, death is the antidote to pettiness, fundamentally, right? Yeah. So it's a thing where, I mean, I sometimes think, when I get involved in a dispute, I'm going to say, well, am I even going to think of this on my deathbed as some huge regret or something? I mean, it's like, no, well, then drop it, right? It's okay to live from your deathbed backwards and, and, and let that guide your perspective a little bit. I mean, to me, right? Just be conscious of death. Helps enrich life, right? Because the, the, the yeah. great danger of death is that it drowns us in sentimentality, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, we can just say the words after somebody died. Well, but we really loved each other. And it's like, if that were true, I don't know that you would need to say it. And if you're saying it, 
it means that you're giving yourself an easy out, right? It's easy to say after somebody dead, well, yes, but we really loved each other. But the thing is, is to rationally evaluate how you acted with that person when they were alive, and when he was alive, right? So if your girlfriend bickered with her stepdad quite a bit, then what does oh, it mean? Sorry, it's, it was it was the they or she said that her her mom and her stepdad bickered. I I don't think she bickered, but um, she she noticed that in their relationship, and she. Sorry, I, I might have confused you there. Um, oh no, no problem. She, I mean, it doesn't matter. Uh, when, she can yeah, say, yeah, that yeah. But either, either way, yeah, there was. Yeah, she can say the same thing to her mom, and because maybe she and her mom yeah. bickers, right? Like if her mom bickered with her stepdad, then quite likely her mom's bickering with her too, right? So she can sit down and say, look, there are things that if if you really loved your husband, she yeah. say to her mom, if you really loved your husband then bickering him with him was not good. But people, they want to avoid that feeling, right? Because when you look back and somebody's dead and you miss them, let's say there's real genuine love and you miss them terribly, and you look back at all the thousands of hours you pissed away into the void by bickering with them about stupid shit, right? Then you yeah. feel this, this titanic wrench of regret, right? Mm -hmm. And people avoid that by just making up a mythology called, yes, we bickered, but we really loved each other. It's all over. You know, there's nothing that sentimentality. Like, they don't look back and say, well, if I knew he was going to die suddenly, or <laughs> if, I, if I remembered that he was going to die, would I have bickered with him for all those years? And again, I'm not saying they were like the ultimate bickertons, just looking at this as a possibility. Yeah, you know, learning, learning from the death and, and objectively looking at how the person lived their life. You know, I think it's... It, it ties back to how you were saying, you know, you never speak of, you know, ill of the dead. Yeah, and people don't care that much about the dead in that sense. What they're saying is don't speak ill yeah. of myself. I don't want to look at anything that I did that was okay. negative or detrimental or wasted time or, or produced negative things where they weren't necessary, right? I mean, the number of real conflicts in our life is pretty minimal, but the number of Bickerton nonsense that people make up is, is perpetual, right? It's like this Chinese water to torture of discontent that people live their lives under. Yeah. So your, your daughter can... Sorry, blah, let, me get my, let me get my generations correct. <laughs> your, um, your girlfriend can talk to your mom. Sorry, your girlfriend can talk to her mom and yeah. can say, well, you know, how do you feel about all this bickering now, Right. When you look back and you think at what was so important at the time, now when you look back at it, yeah. do you understand and was it worthwhile to do all of that bickering, right? And the painful thing is to look back and say, man, I pissed away. I don't know how much time bickering for no reason. That's really, really painful, of course, and people naturally would want to avoid that. So why would you want to go through that? Well, you'd want to go through that because there's the benefit. There's the benefit of not doing it in the future. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like if, you know, it's the cost analysis, right? You know, like you, you're you sacrificing your short-term pain, or you're, you're sacrificing a short-term pain stimulus for a long-term happiness, right? You know, or... or, or yeah, no, you're sacrificing the long-term gain to avoid the short-term pain. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, I had that mixed up. Yeah, no but... Um, <laughs> So yeah, you know, like it, I, I, I would see her saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa I'm not going to do that." You know, I'm not going to bring this up with my mom. But, but yeah, if, if explained properly, there's there's so much to gain from it. In the, yeah, because if if her mom were, if she were to sit down with her mom and they were to go through this very painful process, 
And it is, yeah. it is a, it's a horrible thing to look back and, and look at how much time we piss away in stupid conflicts that don't mean anything. Vanity exercises, defensiveness, upmanship, yeah. all of that crap, right? It's horrible yeah. to look at that. And um, it's like being stuck in a tiny prison with mosquitoes, you know? It's just a stupid waste of time. And if yeah. your girlfriend and her mother were to go through that process of evaluating that, then they would have something that they could refer to in their own conflicts with each other, right? So that yeah. if, um, if your girlfriend gets upset with her mom, she can say, well, you know, three weeks after my mom's dead, am I going to sit back and say, gee, I really wish I'd won this fight? No, well, yeah. no, of course not, right? Uh, or she may say, look, my mom is going to continually push my buttons. At the end of my life, am I going to be really happy that I just hung around someone I accidentally happened to be related to who made my life miserable? No, of course not, yeah. right? So uh, to me, death gives you that gift of either get it good or get it gone in terms of your relationships. That it, there's not an infinity of time to correct your mistakes and to have a better life. Every moment that you spend unhappy now, it doesn't get tacked on at the end of your life as some bonus round. I mean, it's just done and, and miserable and, and, and wasted. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's a really good perspective to have, you know, to, and, and I, I know, I know, you know, while I, I haven't had that totally laid out for me or, or the thoughts totally processed like you described them, I, I have often used that, you know, like, you know, in the end, like, you know, 50 years from now after my death, is this really going to matter, you know, and... Is, is that something I want to be known for? Or, you know, does that matter? And um, I, I think, yeah, you know, I, I think that is something that would be a useful tool to sort of bring up. It also, um, I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off if you had something else you wanted no, that's, to do. No, that's fine. I'm just sort of rambling. <laughs> the basis of the show. But uh, the, <laughs> other th the other thing that I would say is that I have a, uh, a fair amount of, um, let's just say, somewhat negative feelings towards people who have bullshit, easy, one-sided, quote, relationships, right? So, you know, the, the stereotypical thing is, is the, the woman with cats, right? Because cats aren't reciprocal, yeah. they aren't demanding, they don't challenge you emotionally or intellectually, they're just, you know, it's blind, dumb biological affection, quote, affection, right? I dislike yeah. that. In fact, if I could rip the cats out of the arms of every spinster in the world, I'm sure that we would get a big step forward in human relations. But you can't, uh, you can't get rid of people's cheap substitutes for real relationships. In the yeah. same way, I dislike people who have... I, mean, I, I remember uh, um, when I was in, uh, doing my master's, uh, this uh, girl, uh, who was very smart, very nice girl, was uh, interested in me romantically. And uh, she, she, we talked about this a little bit, and, and she was a Christian, right? And she talked about her love for Jesus and so on, right? And I said, well, you know, with all due respect, there's just no way I can go out with you. And she was really surprised, right? And she didn't know I was an atheist. And I said, well, I can't compete with Jesus, right? If Jesus is perfect and always gives you what you want and always listens and always tells you exactly what you want to hear and, like, is perfect, then I'm forever going to be coming short. I'm forever going to be way down on the list since I can't be close to perfect, right, then um, uh, I'm forever going to be coming short. I'm forever going to be way, way, way second to this fantasy relationship, which is fundamentally, to me, with your own narcissism, because there is no such thing as Jesus, right? So, so you have this narcissistic relationship with an idealized guy who's just in your own head, and where am I going to fit in all of that? Well, nowhere, right? So 
I, I, I just recognize that to me that's another bullshit one-sided imaginary relationship, right? So I, I just, I have a real problem with people. And I have the same thing with patriots who are like, you know, my country, you know, America, right or wrong. It's just, it's, it's a one-sided, non-challenging bullshit relationship. Uh, quote relationship. It's not a real relationship at all. People have it with gods and they have it with countries and they have it sometimes with their race or their class. I mean, it's just, but it, to me, I, I really, really dislike it. And mm-hmm. in the same way, if you believe that people live forever, then you can have closure in an imaginary way with them after they're dead, right? So if you believe that they're out there, that they can hear you, that they're floating over you and smiling and all that creepy, haunting shit, then you can continue to have a relationship, a quote relationship with them after they're dead. And not only is that going to take away from the relationship you have with them when they're alive, because you can just do everything, get all the closure and this and that when they're dead, but it also diminishes from your other relationships with people who are actually alive. Because there, there is no spirit, there are no ghosts, there are no gods, any of this kind of stuff, right? So it diminishes your capacity to invest in adult, equal, mature, reciprocal relationships. Or parents do this, mothers sometimes in particular with, with young children and so on. Oh, my baby, I had my baby because my baby's going to love me. And it's like, no, <laughs> it's not going to work that way, right? So I don't like it when people have imaginary relationships. I think it eats out their capacity and lowers their tolerance for the challenges of a mature adult reciprocal relationship. And so when people say, well, they live on somehow, somewhere, uh, even if they say inner minds and hearts or whatever nonsense they come up with, it's like, no, they're dead. Your relationship with that person is now totally and completely done. Anything that you say that you think they're going to hear or there's some, it's not happening. You're only talking to yourself. It is not a relationship anymore, any more than somebody praying to God is having a relationship with some sort of sky ghost. And so, again, pulling that sentimentality, that, that self-serving, um, uh, treacly kind of uh, sentimentality away from people, uh, I think compels them or raises the stakes in terms of them having a real relationship with the person in the moment. Because if you get that after the person is dead, they can't hear you, there's no closure that, uh, that you can have with that person for real, then you're going to be more compelled to invest in that relationship in the present, in my mind. Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense over here, too. You know, it's, it's kind of like what you were saying before. Your, your memories of the 24th century are the same as your memories of the 16th century. Yeah. Like, non-existent. You know? <laughs> right, and when the person's dead... There's no relationship. There's yeah. no reciprocity. There's no think, talking to them and, and, and thinking about them as if you... I mean, it's, it's deluded, right? I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's fantastical in a terrible way. Yeah, so put your efforts in when they actually can do something, not, not when they mean nothing. Yeah, I mean, so much of this, this post-death sentimentality is like throwing a Big Mac into the, the, the grave of a guy who died of starvation. You know, it's like, well, why didn't you give him the Big Mac while he was still alive, right? Yeah. <laughs> Can't eat it now or he's dead, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not going to make a difference. Yeah. So I think, I mean, in my mind, the, 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 there's nothing that we can do about the dead and there's nothing that we can do about our relationships that have occurred in the past because the past is irrevocable and it's gone and our memory gets fuzzy anyway, right? So what does it matter, yeah. right? The important thing is to, to look into the the death that has just happened and swing it forward to look at the black hole that is moving towards you 
uh, and and me and and everybody that we know irrevocably and irreversibly it is moving towards us like a like a black bowling ball on those <laughs> rails right i mean it's moving towards us yes yeah. out of existence given that we have that knowledge what is it that we're going to do in terms of investing in our relationships in terms of taking the high road that we sometimes need to in relationships in terms of being big in terms of being grand in terms of being admirable in terms of being noble in terms of being courageous and having integrity and being honest and living large what are we going to do given that that it's like that indiana jones ball at the beginning of the first movie right that's rolling towards us and it's irrevocable it's going to wipe us all out and uh, what are we going to do with the time that we have that to me is the gift that death gives us. If we lived forever, we'd procrastinate everything and life would become dismal, boring, and unsatisfying. So death is the ultimate prioritization, right? Given that I'm going to die, what moves to the top of my list? And I think that's why I said that only atheists, only secular materialists can provide real, can get real value from death, can get a non-fantastical, non-narcissistic, non-sentimental view, but can actually use death to really enhance the days that we all have left. Only people who refuse to go into the deadly womb of illusion can actually get richness and truth out of the, uh, uh, I mean, the, the tyranny of death, the, the disasters that befall us all. Yeah, uh, Steph, huge thanks. You know, like, just what you said in the last half hour is really helpful for me. And is there, I, mean, is there any, I don't want to go on. I mean, it's obviously a no. big time but you've got enough to sit on. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about with regards to this topic in particular? Um, you know, it, 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 gives me, it gives me some, you know, it, it helps me, you know, you've, you've processed some of the things I've been feeling and thinking and, and giving me, you know, I, I think now I have some actual, you know, processed material to, to actually, you know, I don't want to say dish out, but, you know, to Infinite. utilize... <laughs> yeah, inflict. Yeah, yeah. Now I, now I've, I've got my argument straight. I'm ready to attack. No, I, uh, no, I just, I, I think I, I can now sort of formulate an approach on, on how I want to, you know, discuss these things and, and, and show the value of, of this way of thinking and seeking the truth and, and, and knowing that um, there's nothing coming after. So, so live in the moment right now and um, make use of it because our time here is short. And, yes, so um, uh, the, the death is fundamentally not about those who are in the ground because their struggle is over. Death is about yeah. those of us who are still the sunny side of the six-foot pit uh, because it's our yeah. lives that still have left to live and the lessons that we can learn from the dead, right? Seize yeah. the day, uh, love with, with greatness. Uh, that, is, that is what we get out of death. It's not about looking at the past and those who are dead, but looking into the future to the life that we have. Yeah. No, I... Uh I appreciate your time, Steph. I really, I really find this helpful. I really I'm, I'm do. glad. Do you mind if I use this as a, a video or podcast or, or whatever? Abs- absolutely. Absolutely. Go for it. You know, I, uh, I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. And, um, oh, it's a great topic. I appreciate you bringing it up. I wanted to talk about this with the guy who posted it on the board six months ago, but he never got back to me, so I'm, I'm glad that you reminded me. It is, it's a very important topic, of course. Yeah, you know, and I, I think those two things to focus on, you know, like it's it's okay to to analyze the life of people who have passed on and and see the negative and, and change for the better and, and you know, realize that, you know, <laughs> once you're done, you're done. So uh
And regret is the fertilizer of new life, right? Regret is that which allows us to turn our life around and avoid regret in the future. And if we avoid it, we avoid change. It doesn't help anyone. For sure. Yeah. No. Um. Please. Yeah. Share this. <laughs> share this with whoever, whoever will find value with it. <laughs> it's, right. it's well, thanks very much, and, and uh, do let me know how things go with uh, with your girlfriend. That's a very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Take thanks, care, man. Stuff. Bye. Take care.